welcome to Give Me Fiction. My name is Ivan Hernandez, and I'll be your host. Each month at Give Me Fiction, some of the finest minds in comedy, literature, and the arts write pieces based on a theme. Each week on this podcast, we deliver one of those readings to the listening public. Today's episode, we have writer and author of the book Not Lost, Sarah Griffin. For the masculinity-themed GMF, she read a tale of a girl's education in the reading of the tarot in The Summer Kitchen. Rita is perched at the head of the table, and Shannon sits closely to her left at the corner. The kitchen is a tea-stained yellow, the blinds drawn against the glaring summer. Rita's long fingers unwrap the cellophane on a slim box, and she crinkles it in her veiny hands, her knuckles gilded with two big rings, her long manicured fingernails, still corrugated with age despite their pearl-painted glamour. Rita is wearing a soft summer dress with a high neck and a silken pashmina. Her wiry grey hair is knotted on the crown of her head with a sharp silver needle piercing the centre, a decorative threat. Shannon is wrapped with attention as Rita opens the deck of cards. Finally, finally. Shannon is 15 and a sheet of yellow hair. Her legs are spindly, her flip-flops abandoned on the tile floor as she draws her bare knees up to her chin, bites a berry-glossed lip, brushes a stray spun-gold hair from her eyes. Her skin is tanned and her freckles are placed impossibly deliberately across her nose. Her eye teeth hook into her front teeth like pincers. She bites her tongue in anticipation. Her enormous hoodie is a pastel green with a pink heart patch sewn over the surfer label on the breast. Her wristwatch designed for girl mountain climbers. Her iPhone 6 on airplane mode. (laughs) She is almost convinced that Rita must be able to hear her heart thumping out her body. She is, as the summer day outside, just about to break. Rita passes the deck to Shannon as casually as a box of smokes and Shannon takes them, whispers, thank you so much. And the weight of them in her palm is a comfort, a relief. We will be learning using these cards from today. I can't have you touching my deck anymore. It's too much of you. Get me the glass ashtray from beside the sink, please. Shannon nods as the old woman lights a smoke, clenching the tarot in her fist and unfolding herself quickly. She stands up and walks to the st- a few steps to the sink, where the jagged crystalline ashtray sits upturned and drying. Rita turns and looks at the teenager, one hand full of crystal, the other clutching 78 slim pieces of card, full of ink and potential, ink and thought, ink and portals. The deck is monochrome, a reproduction of hand ink drawings. It suits Shannon, she feels, her burgeoning sight still so polarized. Monochrome. Shannon's mother had sent her next door to Miss Rita Briarfield, the spring just gone, to help her clean up. Sure, the old woman was getting far too ancient to be scrubbing the floor and changing the sheets all by herself. What if she took a fall, huh? Make some use of yourself, girl, her mother had hissed, just about shoving the teenager down the neighbor's driveway. When Shannon had started having those terrible dreams, asking for a priest, and then started asking more about the forest over the hedges at the bottom of the garden, her mother could think of nothing to tell her that wouldn't frighten her. So she sent her next door to Rita. Rita would, eventually, when the sheets were put away and the dishes done, show her how to protect herself. 
Upstairs, the twins, Rita's great niece and nephew, thunder about, yelling and bawling. They are around for a fortnight while their parents holiday in Lisbon, and their presence has, thus far, made Shannon's studies just about impossible. Summer was supposed to be day after day of Rita's quiet instruction, the scent of incense and fire, new chambers revealing themselves in her head. She had learned how to work with herbs, her dreams had changed, and she didn't wake up screaming at all anymore. Shannon had been convinced that by September she'd be able to thread her fingers through the slim cracks of time. Shannon knew she was ready for the blurry grey notions of the future to pull into focus. She'd seen lilac one day, she thought, the first colour of the coming year. But it disappeared as quickly as young Molly had skittered into the conservatory, bumbling orthodontistry and a lisp, explaining that she couldn't reach the shelves where the teabags were, and could Shannon go get them for her? Her face magenta. Kieran was usually better composed than Molly, quieter, the less to say. She wondered who they would grow into. She could not see it yet. Would she know them as they became adults, or was this summer just a once-off? Fourteen days in a quiet grey suburb near enough a forest to be with nature under care of their grand aunt this once just this once, to see how it goes and not bother her again. Shannon was strangely jealous over Rita, her tutor, her mentor. Shannon knew had she be, uh, that she had been the same age as the twins only recently, but the miles that she had grown since Rita's tuition were ones she couldn't walk backwards down, couldn't spool back up into delightful immaturity like 12, like 13. Shannon felt a hundred years old, and when she told Rita, Rita laughed huskily and said, wait till you're my age, and dragged on her ninth cigarette of that particular afternoon. Shannon always counted the stubs, each rebellious little cylinder the old woman consumed. Rita never wheezed or coughed, rather devoured the smoke like sugar water, just sucked it into her lungs and bared her white teeth. She didn't know what age Rita was. She didn't ask. It was a funny year for the twins. Twelve. Shannon and Rita both look up at the lampshade and it trembles against their footfall, their drop kick, whatever they're arguing about this time. The old woman lights her smoke and says, they'll be down now, they won't be long. Don't let them see the cards, they'll only be asking. Shannon stuffs the deck into her hoodie pocket, a center pouch in its middle and places the ashtray on a table. Rita tips the first inch of ash from her long draw into the clear crystal. As it falls, Molly barrels into the room. Shannon clutches the hidden cards with both hands and blinks. A strand of hair sticks to her lips, but she doesn't move it, her fingers clasping around the cards. Justice, the Two of Cups, the Empress, the Mother of Pentacles, all hiss back and forth under her fingertips. Her chest rises and falls. Sorry, 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 whirlwinds the gawky girl child. I just, I just kicked Kieran and he's coming after me. Tell him I went out the front garden. Don't tell him I went out this way. And then she's gone. Denim smock and bare feet and a ponytail out the back door. How fast and silently she moves. How the door doesn't even click. Shannon closes her eyes and on the back of her eyelids, Molly is creeping down the garden to the shed. Her cheeks flushed. She hadn't expected Shannon to be there. Around the edges of the girl's grey feet, the grass begins to rise green. The side of Molly's grey leg is flushed with blood, a graze. She'd caught it from the roughness of the carpet upstairs. The girl is fine, just tormenting her brother, just bored, just trying to get a rise out of him. He wouldn't go looking for her today. He wasn't really hurt this time. Shannon flings her eyes open and Rita is staring at her, placing the cigarette in her lips again. The old woman doesn't say anything, but her eyebrows are arched ever so slightly, of course she had seen. Kieran is at the door now. 
A lanky streak of piss, but not as tall as his too tall sister. His cheeks dappled with acne, his hair cut a little too young for his face, but growing out. Shorts and a hoodie, knobbly knees and downy legs. Awkward, but not at the same volume as his sister. He looks at Rita, then at Shannon, who clasps her hands around the cards tightly. The Hierophant, the Tower, the Tower. She doesn't have to close her eyes this time. There isn't enough light in the kitchen to pull a shadow, but something rises behind Kieran, something wet and dark and heaving. He cannot see it, but how can he not feel it, she thinks, its warm, dank smell, its breath carrying over the kitchen. Shannon wants to scream to him, but instead she purses her sticky mouth into a smile. Rita's cigarette sits between her fingers, becoming ash, her eyes on the boy as he walks to the fridge, trailed by the awfulness. He opens the refrigerator and takes out a single slice of cheese, leans out of the glowing white coldness and asks, Is it all right if I take one of these, please, Rita? Hiya, Shannon. I'll be gone back up to me book now. Don't mind me. Rita says, Of course, lad. Shannon says, Hi, Kieran. The beast behind him pulses with each breath, humming something terrible. It trails itself across the floor, its eye blank and white. It stretches above him, it stretches across the floor, it takes up the whole room, and the young witch and the old witch are paralyzed. In the garden shed, Molly cries into her knees for the love of the girl next door, for how her brother won't be her friend now. Shannon sees her and her bleeding leg. Shannon sees Kieran and the great terrible thing that follows him as he walks out of the kitchen with a slice of pale, sharp cheddar between his fingers. He plays piano. He's had small crushes but has never been in love. His dreams make him scream in the night and his sister comforts him even though he won't talk to her during the day. As he leaves the room, the thing behind him expands and the child grows tall to meet it, grows white-eyed and lukewarm and starving and awful. They contract together and footsteps are on the stairway and Rita and Shannon are alone again. Rita's cigarette burns out, a line of untouched ash in the crystal. Her, her hands tremble and Shannon reaches out for her. The old woman's eyes are blank and Shannon is crying. Take the cards home now, girl. I can't be giving you lessons today. Shannon nods. Take a smudge of sage from the jar in the cabinet and burn it by your window. Sleep with the cards under your pillow and come back to me at nine tomorrow and we'll have some tea and eat some toast and you can read me your first spread. Rita's eyes don't move and Shannon leans forward and kisses her hand, the silver of her rings bright and terrible. That night, Shannon burns a clutch of sage in her window, but she does not sleep. Instead, sits in the dark, shuffling the fresh deck of cards. In the corner of the tower, there is a bright red flame. On the other side of the wall, the twins are dreaming. Thanks. You can find Sarah online at wordfury.tumblr.com and on Twitter at Grifsky. Her young adult novel, Spare and Found Parts, will be available from Green Willow Press in 2016. Give Me Fiction's live show happens the first Sunday of every month at Lost Weekend Video in San Francisco, California. GMF is produced by Will Scoble. You can find his narrative anthology podcast, Tales from the Swan Hotel, at soundcloud.com slash tenderindustries. For news, updates, and more, check out gimmefiction.net, at GMF Show on Twitter, and facebook.com slash gimmefiction. You can email us at gmfshow at gmail.com and can donate to the show through PayPal at the same address. I'm online at ivanhernandez.net and on Twitter at ivan underscore hernandez. 
Our theme song is provided by Power Pyramid, and you can check out more of their music at powerpyramid.bandcamp.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud and Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, you can rate and review us on the iTunes Store. This has been Gimme Fiction.